first official soccer podcast. My name is Bori Oludemi, and I'm joined by my co-host Sulaiman Lassisi. Sulaiman, what a packed weekend we have. Yeah, man, we actually had two game weeks in one week, so that was interesting. We had Premier League over the weekend, and we also had Premier League during the midweek. But what I actually found enjoyable and rewarding was the idea of Spotify wrapped. Bori, are you on Spotify? I, yes, I definitely use Spotify, of course. That's how I listen to our podcast. Of course, it's one of the ways we host our podcast. But what I found was Spotify Wrapped kind of told us who listens to us and where they listen from. And you will not believe that we go as far out as Brazil, Hong Kong, and India. Oh, my God. And when were these people listening? Like, when did it, does it tell you when they, when they listened? Or what episode to listen to? It didn't really tell me when, but it told me that episode, the episode about Myres, I think when we had Adi Singh on the show, was the very popular episode on the podcast. So I want to shout out to Adi Singh for blessing us with his <laughs> grace on this on this podcast. It was it was really nice to see. And for me, it's also one of those things where I remember when we started this podcast, it was more like we're at the gym and we're like, let's do this. And it's impressive how far your voice can go when you use it for a good cause. Yeah. Podcasting is great. I love it. And that this is why we do it. With that, I'm going to head in and talk about my spot kick of the week. Very easy one, Bori. I'm just going to ask you, what was the best soccer-related thing you saw this past weekend? Um, I, I want to say AC Milan. I mean, to be honest, I saw a different AC Milan uh, this past weekend. So I'm really proud of, of our team, to be honest. Um, they've not played this way, way all season. So it was good to see this team actually pass the ball around and... Uh, Really, Jack Bonaventura, who's has been a phenomenal player but been plagued by injuries, is just a master class. He's, they call him Jack in the Box, uh, but he thinks out, outside of the box. But he's just a very, like, I'm in awe of his talent. I need to catch up on those beautiful performances by AC Milan. But what, the things I saw this weekend that I enjoyed were Son just running through Burnley players like it's no big deal. And also, Luis Suarez scoring a wonder of a healed goal, which I think you were going to be all over. I'm surprised how you missed that. And also, Jan Sommer saving his team when Bayern Munich came prying. So that's the spot kick I have for this week. But I'm going to jump into the EPL review and talk about Manchester United. In a span of five or so days, they beat Tottenham Hotspurs and they also beat Manchester City. What do you think of this performance by United, Bori? Um, I think last episode or two episodes ago, I mentioned that United are not actually playing that bad. They've got nothing to lose, first of all, but they're not playing very bad. And to be fair, City is not is playing horrible. So that's part of why they won yesterday uh, on on Sunday or Saturday, whenever they played. Um, I, I I'm not shocked. I, I really am not shocked. Uh, mostly because I think City is is playing very bad. But I, I'm I'm really surprised they actually went over to their home and actually won and actually won away. Uh, I think that's that's where I'm surprised. But um, uh, to be honest, you know, I, I saw it coming. Uh, City has not been playing very great the past few weeks. So, you know, anything, I mean, Norwich beat them. So so I'm not really surprised. It's just, 
it's just seeing that that United has actually come from a position where they've been losing easy games and now they're now winning games that they don't you know people didn't expect them to win and uh, it just shows that something is definitely going awful at City. I like how you give more condemnation to City than actually praise Manchester United. And I say that this is really just a matter of brute force. I don't think there's any strategy at play. I think this is just, you know, if you knock on something hard enough, it's going to budge. And at this point in time, the coach at Manchester United is getting it right. And I need to single out Rashford because he's been very impressive, not just for the goals being scored, but for the way he's been playing. So I think it definitely is carrying this team, but I don't see any strategy in these victories. With that, I'm going to quickly just talk about Liverpool winning, Leicester City winning, no pressure it looks like. Liverpool actually rotating. Salah sat out, Mane sat out, and they're still winning. Origi scoring goals. And Leicester City, Jamie Vardy on fire, scoring left, right, and center. Do you think this is the two-horse race that we have in the league now? Is it fair to say that? I think it is. I mean, City is definitely out unless Liverpool somehow loses like what you know four games in a row or draw four lose four games and, and draw one then that's the only way i see city coming back and obviously city has to win other games but um you you mentioned liverpool rotating i'm surprised they rotated and they actually did very well so that there's that gotta give them credit the other thing i want to mention was here in the show for leicester city um Suddenly, this could be the key. He could be the Origi of this team where when they actually need wins, he he comes through for them. And it seems like he's doing that this season so far. I have to agree with you on Inacho. City and Chelsea struggling. Teams that were winning a couple weeks ago now struggling. I don't know what it is, but hopefully they get back to winning ways. And we just saw Arsenal beat West Ham, albeit coming back from a goal down. But it looked promising. Still not very convincing. Any takes on these? I am surprised. I was watching the Arsenal game in the beginning, the first half, and I saw I saw Ogbonna score uh, a goal. And I was like, well, that's the end. They're going to fire Lundberg. But um, then I had a meeting, and then I came back, and I saw scoring like 3-1. And it, it seemed like they scored three goals in like 10 minutes. So, I mean, I didn't watch the game. So I don't I, I, Well, I didn't watch the second half of the game, so I don't know how to describe or, or my feelings about that, but it's good to see that they're actually winning because this shows that they were able to fight back and Lundberg was able to say something, you know, during the halftime to basically motivate these players, which is what they need because they're completely lacking confidence. And I heard Pepe, I heard also, I read that Pepe scored and it was a, f- a phenomenal goal. Uh, I actually heard from a friend that it was a phenomenal goal. Um, so so I'm, I'm excited to actually watch it and see because Obviously, I'm a fan of Pepe, and I, I kind of talked him up, uh, you know, this past summer when he was signed by Arsenal. I'm one of his biggest doubters, so I need to check out his performance in this game and compare it to what I feel like where he should be as a player. But big ups to Arsenal for doing that. Let us move on and talk about things happening in the Bundesliga. Bori, I this is where I really don't have anything to say. The game against Bayern, the game between Bayern Munich and Borussia Mönchengladbach. What do you say to me now, Bori? I remember you tweeted me, uh, uh, you know, this past weekend about about the game, and, and and I told you, yes, of course, I watched the game. It's the biggest game. Well, not the big. Well, actually, given the situation, it is the biggest game of the season so far. Um, Gladbach are number one. Bayern before this was, I think, fourth or fifth. Um, 
And I watched the game, and to be honest, like just like the last game they lost, that Bayern lost, it was, you know, you had to watch the game to actually see what actually happened. The scoreline doesn't do justice. By the way, I don't think the penalty that Gladbach uh, uh, got the, you know, the last minute was, was I don't think it was a penalty. I think it was a soft penalty. Um, but um, Bayern dominated the game for, for most of the game, man. Their stats looked great. The problem is they're just not finishing. They're not finishing. You cannot... You have to finish to win the game. You can't just be dominating the game and, and thinking that's enough. That's not going to get get you the goals. Um, I gotta give props to Gladbach though. I, th- you know, Gladbach. Just seeing them play, they play like uh, they remind me of Barcelona from the back, not Barcelona going forward, but Barcelona from the back. The way Barcelona plays, they, they play, you know, they play Tikitaka and Ter Stegen passes the ball to Pique, and then they just distribute the ball around, you know. And then they progress forward. The same deal that Gladbach was doing. And Gladbach, when they had the ball, were very fearless in the back. And I was surprised. Even though all these players were pressing them, they were still able to pass the ball around the back and get it forward. And and that was, to me, very surprising to see that that was their, you know, that was their gameplay against a big team like Bayern Munich. And I got to mention, I think Fleck needs to figure out why he keeps insisting on playing Muller. Muller needs to go to the bench if if he's not producing. And he did not produce. And I would have thought he would have brought in Coutinho, but we didn't see that happen. So I think Coutinho needs to give, be given more chance, especially in a big game like this. I mean, we know it's, he's not a big, you know, he, he's not been doing very, very well this past few few games or past year, basically. But come on, you, you have to give Coutinho a chance. What do you think? The topic of Muller sitting on the bench is a very controversial one. And I think after all the sudden done about Kovac's error at Bayern Munich, I think part of it also hinges on him not having the support of key players like Muller. So while he's not performing well, I just think he's done so much for that club to where sentiments come into play when coaches choose him to play. And I wish the case was different because I also share your sentiments. I don't think he's as sharp as he used to be. So we'll just wait and see how long it takes this team to realize their error in this sense. Moving on, though, let's talk about Leipzig and BVB. We have, for Leipzig, Timo Werner got a brace and Dortmund. Dortmund, we have Sancho a brace and Rose a brace. What I see here is the pressure is on. The only thing missing is Bayern is not in the equation. And this is the problem. And, and I was actually going to ask you before you switch to these other teams. Do you still think Bayern is going to win, win, win the, uh, the Bundesliga? You asked me a great question. I was talking to another friend, a Bayern Munich fan earlier, and I made the reference that I just don't see anything else happening. How many games do they have, have they played? It's a 34-game season, so they probably passed halfway. But... Just from what I've seen in the past, I still don't rule them out because what happens with teams like Leipzig and Dortmund is they fail in the small stages. And I know Bayern, it only takes a matter of getting these guys to play for a cause. And I think they can rally on and win all the games needed to win this trophy. So I still consider Bayern the favorites for this Bundesliga trophy. Interesting. I give it a glad back. I think, again, especially from seeing their game this past weekend, I, I think they have the momentum. Unless, again, something awful goes on. Maybe there's a key injury to maybe uh, Thuram in, in the front line. And, and you said with Summers, like, he was pretty good. I mean, he actually really just kept them in the game, to be honest and to be fair. But um, I think Gladbach playing very well. And if they keep this momentum going on, they're, they're, they're going to win it. That would be interesting to see. Now, let's talk about La Liga. La Liga, Barcelona played Mallorca this weekend. And I, you know, 
big headline was, you know, what, what's his name? Messi, right? Messi scored a hat-trick. You know, the people are comparing Messi and Ronaldo, how many hat-tricks have they scored in how many games. Um, but I don't even want to talk about that. I want to talk about one key player that we always leave out when we talk about Barcelona, and that's Ter Stegen. And now, the reason why I'm happy we're talking about La Liga right after talking about Bayern is because of the debacle that's happening currently with the German team. Now, people are split on who they should, you know, who they should pick, Neuer or Ter Stegen. Before I move on with my feelings about Ter Stegen, who do you think should be the number one for Germany in the next years? I follow a utilitarian approach, right? Who do you want? A goal minder? Or do you want someone who's good with the ball at their feet? Or do you want just a goalkeeper? Just someone who's a regular goalkeeper? So, in this sense, I'm going to say if you want a goal minder, you want to save goals, I will go with Manuel Neuer. And if you want someone who can distribute the ball, I will go with Ter Stegen. So, in this case, it, it really comes down to who do you want? And what's your strategy? It's very interesting because I think Ter Stegen is a goal saver. Like, I've seen saves in the past two seasons that I cannot believe. And this is the same thing I saw with De Gea, um, uh, I think two or, or three seasons ago, when especially when Moreno was still there. Um, unbelievable saves. He has kept them. He has kept Barcelona in, in many games this season. Again, we've not given him credit for this, especially on this podcast. But I think Ter Stegen has phenomenal saves and guess what he has two assists this season and there was an assist he gave Suarez this uh, Suarez or, or Griezmann this weekend that I thought was phenomenal and that's the same thing that people praise Neuer for Neuer yes he can play from the back he's he can come come forward and play like like uh, you know part of the uh, as a field player but Terstegen is the same thing Terstegen can pass He's given assist. He can also save. I don't know why Germany would not make him the number one next year. I understand that Germ- Germany likes to follow, like you know, yes, let's give give uh, you know the authority or, or the the space to whoever is the senior. And I think that's really what's doing, uh, what, what's going on with Germany. But I think they will be making a very huge mistake if they don't make Ter Stegen their number one. Interesting. I like Ter Stegen. I think he's a very consistent goalkeeper, but. If we're going to have this conversation, you better put Bernd Leno in the equation as well because he has been outstanding oh, yeah. for Arsenal oh, yeah. as well. Yes. Uh, I actually, I'm not going to lie about this. I I asked a, a, an Arsenal fan this, this uh, I was talking to an Arsenal fan just today and he I didn't realize Leno was was German. Uh, so so it's good to see they have three, you know, good keepers. Uh, but let's talk enough of La Liga, Suleiman. Let's move on to Syria. And every time we talk about Syria, we always talk about racism, sadly. Um, but just really quick, um, the in- Inter Milan played Roma on Friday because Inter has to play Barcelona tomorrow. Um, and um, the, 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 you know, every every media outlet tries to you know build up the game so that they can watch the you know so everyone gets excited. But this particular um, news media outlet did it the wrong way. Corriere dello Sport basically said, okay, Inter, you know, we have Lukaku playing on Inter, and for Roma we have Smalling play for for Roma. And they basically put these two pictures of this of, of these two players and said, you know, yes, you know, there's a build up, blah blah blah. These two players are facing each other. Can we, you know, they were basically inferring it and calling it a Black Friday, which is something that, to me, like I I can't believe that this is something we have to actually, you know, mention that this is a thing in 2020, you know, 20, 2019 that we're still talking about. But enough of that. Let's just let's let's bring it back to the game. Let's talk about how Smalling 
basically manhandled Lukaku this past weekend. And Inter Milan uh, played Roma, and it was a, it was a, it was it end up a draw. But I just want to speak out to to Smalling. Smalling is an basically was seen as an outcast for United. What do you think is what is making him so good in Roma? Interesting. The way the game is played in Italy is very different from the way it's played in England. And I think he's, if anything, he's a good reader of the game. I don't think he's the fastest player out there, which might have been a shortcoming when you play in England. But he reads the game very well. And I think that's been his strongest suite in settling in Italy. And I always liked him. I'm not a Manchester United fan. I don't watch their games every weekend. But I never got or understood why they gave him so much crap while he was playing at Manchester United when you have someone like Phil Jones still sitting there. I, I actually think something similar is going to happen when ba Bailey leaves Manchester United and goes somewhere else and becomes a rock. It's going to be a matter of what were we thinking when we let him go. So that's my perspective. I always thought he was solid. Yeah, I think you're definitely correct. I have a different style of play in Serie A. But, I mean, just, again, man-marking uh, Lukaku. I'm not saying Lukaku is, like, some phenomenal, crazy, the best striker in the world. But he was... A lot of Serie A defenders were not able, have not been able to handle uh, uh, Lukaku. But Smalling did it in a very swift way. I mean, yes, they're familiar with each other because, and they're both tall. Actually, I think I was looking at both of them talking this past weekend. And Smalling's actually, I think he's taller than than Lukaku, which, I mean, I can't, I've not confirmed that with like the actual stats of their of their height. But it looked like Smalling was, was, uh, was, was taller unless he was wearing heels. So I, I don't know if he was wearing heels. But... But, but let's let's move on to another part of Italy that's been a uh, controversy this this you know since the beginning of the season and uh, the basically Juve lost this weekend to Lazio. Lazio is a, you know every every season they always get close but never actually get close. Um, and but this past weekend it was a very great game. Um, Lazio beat Juve three one. Um, Immobile didn't score. Uh, he's he's always been scoring, but he stopped scoring for some reason. But the real headline here is my tweets. I don't know if you saw this, Simon. I tweeted last weekend, after, right after this game, I tweeted a picture of some girl in the stands in shock, absolute shock that they've lost, they had lost 3-1 to Juve. And then I, I put on the caption there. I said that this is the face you make when... You know, Sari decides to to not pair Dybala and Higuain up front, and then I hashtag Lazio Juve. You know, that's the game, right? You hashtag the the game, and I got so much, so many people basically telling me off, saying that I don't know what I'm talking about, and this is why I want to talk about this because this is something that I think people don't understand and don't see. First of all, there's no way I would say Ronaldo is not the player. Ronaldo is the for me, number two player in the world ever, even to play this game. Now, my point about Sari playing Dybala and Higuain is we've seen it this, especially last last uh, in, in November. Um, by the way, Ronaldo didn't score a, a single goal last November. By the way, just FYI. But Dybala for, for club, Higuain, you mean for club, right? For club, for club, for club. Didn't yeah, didn't score for club. Dybala and Higuain's pairing last November showed us that. This is what this is Sari ball. This is what Sari wants from this team. Them going and moving around as a unit. And this is something you don't get from Ronaldo just because Ronaldo is a top player. You don't expect him to follow. He's a dynamic player. You don't expect him to follow all these rules that you, you're setting for your team. So 
this is the problem I want to want to put out to Juve fans. That they, I'm not saying Ronaldo is bad. Obviously, Ronaldo scored the goals. Dybala missed many chances. But I think Dybala and Higuain is the key to Juve doing very well. And this is something I think a lot of Juve fans were telling me off for. They thought, I didn't know what I was talking about. But like, the stats show Dybala and Higuain have very good dynamic and they play very well. What do you think about Ronaldo and Dybala and Higuain? First of all, I want to actually congratulate you on having your social media moment. I saw that tweet and I was like, did you retweet somebody famous or was this all just you tweeting? Because they were all over you. So congratulations on that. But then to move on and talk about this Ronaldo situation, I think Ronaldo is a great player in his own right, present day and in the past. But I think in this situation, like you said, Dybala and Higuain combined very well together. I am not going to just isolate the month of November and say don't play Ronaldo because Dybala and Higuain have played well. So, But, I mean, things like this develop and the coach himself, which at this point I think he's been confident enough to make key decisions. So he will definitely have to sit back and see, can I play a different system that helps Ronaldo shine or do I just altogether relegate him to a secondary role on this team. But I I will just wait and see how the coach progresses on this. It, it definitely is a tough one. I can't blame Sarri. This is a very, I would say this is a good problem to have, quote-unquote. But, I mean, they're not even scoring and they're not winning games. So maybe it's not a good problem to have. But I think Sarri needs to go with what is going to work for the team because he doesn't want to end up getting sacked and he wants to win the trophies. And if he wants to win the trophies, he needs to play the way he believes and not play... A certain players just because it, because they have to be played. But Milan coming back this weekend, playing Bologna. The play, I mean, yes, scoreline looks like it, it. It doesn't really speak justice. But you know, ended up three two. Milan winning three two. Um, but it looks like they're back. I'm just excited to see Milan because we've not seen Milan pass the ball. Like the problem with Milan has been this season, they've not been able to pass the ball, and they are passing the ball very well. Uh, or they passed the ball very well this past uh, game. So I'm very happy to see that. But, Suleiman, what's happening tomorrow and Wednesday? We have the UCL coming up. And what what does this mean? It means, I mean, this is the last round of the UCL. And this means that there are teams that, for sure, are going already out. And um, there are teams that are already qualified. But there are teams that have not, they don't know if they've qualified or, or they don't know their state. And we want to talk about them. The first team I want to talk about is Inter Milan. Now, Inter Milan currently is tied on points with Borussia Dortmund. And, it, and Inter Milan is playing Barcelona tomorrow. Now, I want us to give our predictions about this. Because I, because a lot of people, I've, I've heard a lot of people give different predictions. But what do you think is going to happen tomorrow with Inter-Barcelona? Like you said, there are a few different permutations in which this would, could go. But, you know, it's Barcelona and it's Inter Milan. It's the lesser of two evils for me, really. And I predict that Inter Milan will lose to Barcelona. Cool. And do you think Dortmund is going to beat Slava Prague? Yes, I think Dortmund. Dortmund are a team where you can't really rely on them. But I, I choose them beating Slavia on this one. Yeah, because... Yes, <laughs> you're right. You can't really rely on them. Um, I I believe Inter Milan is actually going to tie Barcelona. I, I believe Barcelona is probably not going to play their top team. If Barcelona ends up playing Messi, then then I think Barcelona is going to win. But I feel like they may rest Messi, which which will probably give them a tie. And to be honest, 
I can't really say for, for Dortmund. Dortmund, I don't know. To be honest, I don't know. I, it could end up being being a loss, actually, and, and Inter Milan going through. Uh, but I can only speak for the Inter game. I think Inter is going to tie Barcelona. Let's move on to the champions of Europe, of Europe, Liverpool. Liverpool, funny enough, may not qualify. I mean, right now they're number one in the group, but they may not qualify if if Red Bull Salzburg beats them. I think by two goals. Um, Suleiman, what what do you think will happen when when Liverpool goes to to um, to Salzburg to play Red Bull? We talked about rotation. Mohamed Salah sitting on the bench. I think that's Klopp's way of saying, I have one eye on the Champions League and I'm going to bring my deadliest player in the in the past couple of seasons on. I'm going to unleash him against Red Bull Salzburg. So, and then with the star, just the star-studded team that they have, I think they will get an edge. It's not going to be an easy one, but I think they will get an edge over Red Bull Salzburg. Yeah, to be honest, I don't know. I My... my... I think lo- logically, I think I will go for Liverpool, but I think Red Bull is going to be, you know, they have nothing to lose. They, you know, they're coming up against the the European champions. They're going to give their all. They're all they're an all attacking team. So I, I believe, I don't know. I, I think Liverpool may have the edge a little bit. It may be a draw. It may be a high scoring draw. But uh, let's just we'll keep our eye on this one. But Red Bull may just get the slight edge. But we'll we'll see. We'll talk about it in our next episode. And finally. Ajax, Valencia, Chelsea, and Lille are playing tomorrow. Um, and Chelsea, uh, currently, they're, you know, they're third, and they're tied in points with Valencia. Um, what do you think is going to happen with Chelsea and Lille tomorrow? Chelsea plays Lille tomorrow, uh, or, yeah, tomorrow at 3 p.m. And um, do you think Chelsea's going to qualify? Do you think they're going to win? I think they'll win. Lille has been... Unremarkable. I mean, your boy Osimhen plays for them, but they haven't really done well in this competition. And also, Chelsea have Tammy Abraham back, which I feel like was a little concerning, but he's back now. And I think I think they'll pull it off. They, I think that they are in a good position to pull it off. The question though is, after winning, would that be enough for them to qualify? Which the way it looks, I I can't rule Valencia out against Ajax. Yeah, I mean, Ajax is definitely going to play because uh, if they, if Ajax loses and Chelsea wins, then Ajax is out. So um, Ajax is not going to play around oh, with it tomorrow. Okay, so they okay. may, Ajax may definitely, I think Ajax will definitely play and, and probably beat Valencia. But again, don't count Valencia out. They may just even end up tying the game and Chelsea definitely just has to win tomorrow. Um, they, there's no, they have to win. They can't tie or anything. They have to win to have any chance of qualifying. Yeah, and we'll see how that goes tomorrow. I want to move on to my favorite segment, the random fact of the day. Bori, what do you have for us today? All right, this is very random, and that is why it's called the random fact of the episode. Do you remember this player called Rodrigo Palacio? I do. What do, do you, you have remember, for us about him? Do you remember the, the distinct feature of Rodrigo Palacio? Very distinct enough that I do, yes. Yes. What did you, can you tell me what it is? The hair, right? Yes. The hair, the hair strand. He has a very, very, he has a one strand. Basically all the other parts of the hair is, is basically buzz cut. And he has this one strand of hair that's braided. Now, the random fact is he played for Genoa and then went on to, after Genoa, I played for Inter Milan. After Genoa, would you believe that he cut that strand and had that strand put in the history of the museum in Genoa? That is wow. the random. 
don't don't kill me for that random fact but that is just a random fact but he ended up growing it back and now he still has one that is interesting i i, I didn't i didn't know he cut it off i know he still has one but that really is interesting and he that would definitely yeah that would definitely go down as something that future generations will will learn from yes well thanks to our listeners for listening to this episode of the fourth official soccer podcast uh, we're very excited to hear that people are listening from all over the world so thank you so much for supporting us um please remember to subscribe Suleiman, can you take it away sure our listeners all over the world i feel like we've earned the right for me to say that now thank you so much for listening you can find us on spotify google podcast and apple podcast and you can also find us on twitter please engage us at fourth official sp and we'll see you next week thank you bye-bye